Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel, joined as always by Justin Berg. And we'll get this thing going right out of the gate on a night after Cincinnati topped South Florida in Orlando. There was a special Central Florida, Central Florida, buddy. See, they made me mad last night, bro. I made one typo, and the Central Florida fans came at me like I was nuts. So I started calling them directional Florida school the rest of the game. But uh, Cincinnati top Central Florida, special visitor at the game, none other than the Lakeland Magic's own Troy Copain. So we got Troy to join us on the podcast. Troy, uh, how's it going? I know you got a big game tonight. Thanks for uh, joining us here on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Things are going well. You know, I'm just thankful to be playing, you know, getting the opportunity to showcase every day. Big triple-double the other night. That had to feel good and uh, a nice little notch on your professional career. Yeah. Uh, for my second one, you know, I just like to produce and you know, try to get as many wins as possible and doing it anyway. So if it comes with rebounding, uh, passing the ball, getting assists, and then just getting above double figures, you know, that, that's all I'm really worried about is winning. How has uh, the adjustment to professional life been, man? I know it's uh... – it's a different world, and, and people don't understand it. When you guys are in college, you got a lot of other responsibilities. What's it like to be able to work on your game and, and worry about your, you know, getting better 24-7? Uh, it's good because, you know, like you said, I don't have anything to worry about. So, like, once I leave practice or once I leave, you know, a game, there's really nothing else to do. I don't have to worry about, you know, going to class or having homework to do. And, and just being around older people uh, and how they operate their lives and how they maintain, you know, being successful in this world, you know, when it comes to them supporting their families, uh, seeing how they interact, what they do in their free time, you know, and being able to hold it down. So uh, it's definitely a, a different a learning experience. You know, I'm still learning, actually, but it's good to now be doing something that I love with nothing else to really focus on. What kind of feedback are you getting in terms of, you know, potentially making the league or, or making that next jump professionally? Are you, are you hearing anything from your agent, from, you know, people around that, that, that give you any guidance? Uh, I mean, I'm hearing a little stuff, you know. I'm just taking it one day at a time. Uh, nothing, you know, really guaranteeing anything, you know, to tell you right now. But, you know, who cares about that? I'm just thankful to be playing, you know, showcasing my talent and you know, trying to wait for the organization I'm in right now. Absolutely. Uh, last night you had an off night. Fortunately, you got to uh, to head to the game. Uh, what what were your thoughts taking a look at this team for the first time in person? Uh, it's still the same. You know, coach still very passionate. The guys are still very close. Uh, the assistant coaches are still, you know, the best scouters in college basketball. They know ins and outs of the other team. And then the bond is still there. You know, the brotherhood of the players. And I went to the locker room after the game. You know, they still welcome me as if I was just there a couple months ago. Uh, still tend to them, and they're still my brothers. So, you know, it's good to see that, you know, keep that brotherhood, keep that bond together. And, you know, as the years go on and then the players get older and then you see the new freshmen how, how together and how they bring them in, you know, to the Cincinnati culture. I'm interested in asking you this question. I, we didn't really talk about it much in your senior year, but, but now it's his senior year. What did Gary Clark mean to you? Uh, in terms of your career at Cincinnati, and you know he came in as a as a freshman when you were a sophomore. SK and Jack had just left. There was kind of a turnover in the program. Gary stepped in right away. Uh, what did what did getting to know him? What did playing with him mean to you? Uh, well, he was quiet on his visit, um, but you know as time went on, and he ended up coming 
to Cincinnati, you know, it was it was special. We call ourselves the ten eleven the ten eleven punks. Uh and that's what we're gonna be forever. That's my guy. Uh and he plays hard. He's somebody you can trust on the floor. Uh he's not gonna get out of his character. Uh he's not gonna be he doesn't wear his emotion on his sleeve, but best believe he's gonna give you everything he got. Uh he's a rebounding machine. Um, he's guaranteed inside, uh with the right right hand hook, left hand hook, can jump out the gym. Uh, he's very special and he's a real calm guy. You know, he doesn't get too loud, but he's like one of them quiet killers, that quiet assassins. That if you once you know it, you end good with him. And you know, once I got to know him as the year went on, and as soon as he stepped on campus, actually, you know, we had something special. And that's just what Cincinnati does. It brings the best out of people, and it's something that lasts forever. True or false? Let me ask. True or oh, false? Real quick. Gary Clark is the nicest human being on the planet. <laughs> I I I've seen him, I've seen him, uh, in other aspects, so I can't agree with that. But he's definitely nice. He's definitely the nicest person ever. But I I seen him. If you like, if you ask anybody on the team, like he's nice, but but it's a team thing, I guess. It's a brotherhood. It's a bond thing. That you, to to the outside world, he's the nicest person you ever meet. But once you get to know him, and he's more comfortable with you, and you really know Clark. You'd be like, ooh, Clark, I wouldn't expect you to be like that. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Justin. Yeah, so I think last night was a good example of this, Troy. And what I want to know is, you know, you guys had a lot of tough games in your four years, or I guess your three years with Gary, where it, it was it came down to the end or it was a grinding type of game, and you guys pulled out the win. I mean, how many times were you thinking after the game that, you know what, we won that game because in large part we had Gary Clark and the other team didn't? A lot. Uh, he's not the, now the number one person with the most double doubles, and he's not as a junior close to like rebounding the way he is because in late game situations, it's about getting stops and getting that getting that defensive rebound. And you know that once you get a stop from the guard ends and the shot goes up, he he's guaranteed to get you this board. He's guaranteed to get you to secure it, and we're going to go the other way. So, like, without him, you know, some games were lost, you know. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but there was one where he got the – where he got uh, – I can't remember which game it was, but you know what I mean. Justin that, knowing, <laughs> knowing that opportunity, and when that shot goes up and you know that you have somebody that can guarantee the rebound, you, have, you don't worry about anything. Just, yeah, Justin. he just yeah. All right, figure it out, Justin. Big game, late Gary Clark rebound. What game is Troy talks, talking about? <laughs> well, I know that you know last year, Troy, when you hit the game winner against Tulsa, that Gary had a couple steals down the stretch that were huge, and he just he just seems like it doesn't matter what category it is, he gives you what what the team needs, and and now that you know he's a senior, he's getting a lot of notice nationally, which I, obviously he's earned. 100%. Yeah. But like you you said it, knowing that you have a person down there like that, that's a ball hungry, that knows where the ball is when it comes out the rim and it, and it can get you that position, on the offensive end and the defensive end, like, why not put all your trust in for And, you know, so now you're in the G League, Troy, and, you're, you know, you're playing against guys that are, uh, you know, on the cusp. I mean, I think there's been some talk about Gary and his pro potential. I mean, the, the players that you're going up against now – um, at that level, I mean, you think Gary would be able to hold his own there and, and, and be a factor? Yeah. I mean, I don't really think the people that are in this league are, are people that didn't go drafted but still had great college careers. And 
and people that are older, you know, that came from overseas that's in the league. And solid is, it's, it's all the same. The game's just a little bit faster. The physicality level is different, but that's what you train in college for. That's what you train in summer for, you know, is to, to be able to battle. It's, it comes to do you love the game of the basketball for real? And the question in front of you is can you work even or outwork them, you know, to get that job? And it's simple. You know, he's not going to fold under – if you put uh, – Blake Griffin in front of him. I don't think he's going to shy away. I think he's going to give you what Gary got. It is what it is. Uh, yeah. Troy, let's talk, go back to, to last night a little bit. Explain to people how difficult is it to score on Central Florida and, and specifically when Taco's in there in the middle? That 2-3 is, is different because you can put him right in the middle. You can put him like you don't got to get out of no three seconds or anything. So uh, it's tough because you can't really drive the lane. When you drive the lane, it doesn't really move because he's a great rim protector. But you got to get shots on the uh, on the other end to you know to keep yourself. If that game in the last year, we we lost that game uh, because we didn't make shots and we didn't hit shots on the other end. So it's like a happy medium. Is it opt- like mentally? Is it just like hard to even grasp when you see him standing there because? That people shouldn't be that big. <laughs> it makes you also even shy. Like you different. It's definitely like when you go in there, like, ooh, should I go in there? Because this shot's gonna be tough. Like, oh, he might block it. It may be short, and the crowd's gonna say air ball. I'm just not gonna go in there. And you know, you you do think about that. You do think about that a lot because if you're not making shots, it can definitely frustrate you the the whole game. So. Uh, I know that it was tough individually for me. You know, I thought about that, and I'm telling you from my standpoint of how I thought. So I know it's tough, you know, for young the younger guys trying to go in there versus. Go ahead, Justin. Yeah, so why do you think, I mean, in your mind, why is it so much tougher to score on the road in conference play? It seems like the splits are, are for, for a lot of teams, not just you guys, but, but what makes it so tough when you're on the road? Uh, you can't prepare for the team. You don't know the the perception of the gym, uh, the different basketballs, and then the energy that the crowd brings. Uh, it could be a long night if you're not hitting shots and the other team is hitting shots and the crowd is just going crazy. Uh, for example, like SMU. It's tough to play SMU. The gym's, it's a little gym. The crowd's right over top of you. You know, if you're not stopping the the crowd, you know, the game could get out of hand. Um, and then, like I said, not not being able to hit shots. You know, that frustrates the player regardless. It's not like the home crowd where you're not hitting shots. You know, the crowd is still chanting defense on the other end. Or the loud, the big screen won't say, come on, get loud, and give you that extra energy. It's like you're on your own. It's like back against the wall. Right. Go ahead, Chad. So overall, what 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 are your? I don't know how much chance you get to watch because obviously, you know, you're busy doing your thing and, and playing games on a lot of the same nights. Um, what's the overall thought that you're you're feeling from this team, seeing them progress, maybe being a little bit more dangerous offensively with with Gary and Jacob being a year older, Kyle being a year older. Uh, just overall, what do you what do you take away when you get a chance to look at this these guys so far? My mom and dad keep me updated a lot. Uh, my dad watches it. My mom's tuned in all the time. 
So they tell me the goods and the bads. Uh, I'm not, you know, me and my superstition level, I, I'm not going to put any any accolades or anything, but we see what this team can do. Uh, I know you still go to practice and see how they practice and stuff. And, you know, since now he's never out of the picture, they you always have to, when you talk about going far in championships and toughness and winning games, you have to put us in the picture. So, you know, with that being said, this is just about how how the team wants to do it, how to, when they get the job done and, you know, just being great. Troy, practice is closed to the media. Nobody's allowed in, right? <laughs> uh, uh, that is true. It, it, that is true. It says there's a sign that says practice is closed. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not technically a practice. I just every once in a while I might get a peek. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Rodney Purvis, man. What you guys have uh, obviously become pretty good friends. Uh, how'd that happen? And and how much you guys talk about the old days, and I imagine there's got to be some kind of bet coming up when when you see in UConn play if he uh, if he's willing to go through that with how they look right now. How that came, you know, just being teammates. I mean, we never really had beef or anything through right through Cincinnati UConn. We just played each other, and then you know, coming on the same team, it's about. We both want to win. We both got the same dreams and aspirations. So we don't hold hold no grudges of that. He's a cool guy. You know, once you get to know him, just knowing like his personality, his background, how he operates, that's cool. And then you know when when we play UConn, how that's gonna be. It's, <laughs> we're gonna have a special bet. He might have to get on Instagram, wear a shirt or something. You know how that go. <laughs> did Did he make you watch UConn and Memphis with him last night after the UC game, or? He turned that off at half. No. Nah. <laughs> he came to the game with me. I know. That's why I said I didn't know afterwards if you guys you guys checked that out at all. Just a quick glance <laughs> about how, how what the final score was. But it's okay. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> how, how's, how's Pops doing? How's Mom doing? Oh, uh, they're doing great. Um, matter of fact, we go to Long Island on Saturday. Nice. So, uh, you know, my dad and his side is going to be there. I think my mom's coming, but her side is going to be up there, too. Uh, they're doing well. My mom traveled to a few games. She's been to Lakeland a couple times, came to Toronto. So, you know, still doing the same old, same old. Mom's still cheering loud. Dad still hit me with the phone call after every game. So, you know, I'm just thankful being able to play. I, I still – Pops and I still uh, chop it up from time to time, and it's uh, it's always good following you and, and keeping up with things from afar. You know, Bearcat Nation's still pulling hard for you. It was good to see you at the game last night, man. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Troy, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, have it, Keep up the good work. Keep having a good season. Maybe we'll get back together this summer or something. All right. Thank you. All right. Yeah, good luck, man. Yeah. All right. Troy Copain joining us here on the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com, getting his thoughts from last night from Central Florida. Central Florida. Uh I do what I can to uh, to get that right as often as possible, Berg. Yeah, you got the Tulane Tulsa thing. You it got really the Central upset. South Florida. Like, I, I, literally, I just made a typo, and it really upset people down there. Like I had like yeah. eight well actuallys in my mentions. Like, damn, I know I hit the wrong button on my keyboard. <laughs> Calm down. I, I guess though, that's like that's their big rival. I, I guess it it is you know somebody called UC Xavier. 
UC fans would flip out and lose their mind. Nobody would ever do that, but I guess. Yeah. Yeah, they were just a little sensitive there. Whatever. So, um, yeah. You know, it's interesting to playing against Taco because, you know, and I, talking to people about Central Florida, what it's kind of one of those things where their whole defense is good, but everybody just talks about Taco. Like, they've yeah. got a bunch of big, long, physical, athletic dudes that make it really tough on you to get open looks outside of Taco. Now, Taco changes everything, again, because he's larger than any human being should be. But it's funny how it he he changes the perception so much because of his ability to impact shots around the rim that they don't even talk about the rest of the guys on that team defensively. Yeah, I mean, because even when he's out of the game, they swarm, they get they get a hand up, all that stuff, and it's uh, it's got to be tough because if you beat when he's in the game, if if you beat somebody off the dribble, which is tough to do in the first place against them because they help so well and they move their feet and everything, but I mean, then you you get to the rim and he's right there, he's not he's not going anywhere, and just the idea of of like Troy said, like you know, having to alter the shot even if he doesn't block it. So, I mean, that game last night was you had their defense with a 7-6 guy in front of the rim versus the best shots around the basket defense in the country. So there was barely anything inside. And then, obviously, both teams scout so well that you end up with just contests every shot. I mean, there was a couple open shots here and there, but for the most part, it was just – it was tough. And so – but, yeah, he uh, – I can't imagine what that would be like. And you keep, I mean, you watch the game and you say, come on, take it right at him. Just make him foul you or something. But it's just, it's tough. I mean, Kyle obviously, you know, has trouble with it. And, but Gary was the one, he was the one who packed his lunch and went right at him. Uh, Well, like the interesting thing is that even you could see it affect Jacob, even on like 18 footers, like all of that, all of his mid range stuff. That's usually on point was all short because he's trying to get it up on the rim as fast as possible. And it just doesn't – it's not as crisp as he normally is because it's always in your mind. Even from 18 feet out, he's so big and so long that he can come out and get that shot. Yeah, so it's got to be – A couple yeah. times he almost got mid-range jumpers from Jacob. Well, and Kyle's three, I mean, he was – it was just right over his fingertips. Yeah. And he had – he must have been five feet off of them. But I think, I think the strategy is against them is just – is if you get any kind of an open look, even if it's right, even if it's off one pass, I think you've got to take it because the longer the shot clock gets down, it just there's it's just so much more congested. But it's just tough when you can't get any kind of tempo and try to beat them down the floor a little bit. Obviously, the second half, getting a lot of forcing a lot of turnovers was was a huge thing, and then getting a couple shots to go down helped. But it's just, I mean, 49 points two years in a row down there. 49 points and win by double digits though. That's <laughs> that's other level stuff. And think about the, I was thinking about this Berg. They scored, they almost outscored them in the second half. Right. It was 39. UCF scored 39 for the whole game. Cincinnati scored 34 in the second half or 30, 38 for the whole game. UC scored 34 in the second half. So you got to give credit to the players. You got to give credit to the staff. Uh, we've seen this. They showed the graphic on TV last night, the last three games, it's been an entirely different team in the second half. Yes, you want them to start better. Yes, you want offensively them to click sooner. 
but if if I've got the choice of my team being a first half team or a second half team, I lean pretty heavily towards second half team. Of course, and then they're set up to where if they can have a decent offensive first half, then it, it's it's curtains at halftime against a lot of these teams. But it, it's just been a tough go. And but the, the thing is that this team just when you have veterans and they they they're not going to give up and they just. You love to see a team dig in even harder when the going gets tough, um, to use a cliche. But uh, they do. I mean, they just, like, especially against South Florida in that first half, like, it was just going so terribly, and they have the lead at halftime. I mean, I know South Florida's not the greatest team in the world. But, um, yeah, you'd want the second half is the most important half. So the first half just becomes just stay close. If you have the lead, great. But if you're within a couple possessions – you, you feel pretty good with, with the leadership on the team, especially Gary Clark taking that role. And last night moved them up to number one, right, defensive efficiency? Nah, they're number two. I mean, Virginia's at a whole other level. I don't think they're going to catch Virginia. They're at number two right now. Okay. Well, I mean, at least on, on Ken Palm. I don't know about like, actual points per possession. Yeah. But I, they're, yeah, they're up there. It's still amazing to me, and I, I was talking to somebody about this today. Playing defense for Mick Cronin is, is really, really difficult. Like, I know I know the, the mantra is, you know, you can teach anybody to play defense. I, and in some ways, I agree because a lot of defense is effort. A lot of defense is toughness. But in Mick's specific system, you have to be – you have to have a really high basketball IQ to understand when to help, when to stay, how to keep guys out of lanes, how to work passing lanes. You know, there's a, there's a lot that goes to Mick's style of defense – and we've talked about this a little bit in the past. I think one of the main reasons that this has been his best defense statistically is because the basketball IQ on this team is so high. Yeah, that's definitely one of the reasons. Another reason I would point to would, and Mick, Mick's talked about it multiple times recently, but the, the ball pressure that, that can be applied now with, with Justin Jennifer out front and when Kane comes in, because I think in the past there were a lot of times where opposing guards were, could get a little comfortable as the game would go on, yeah, especially we, some of, some of the better teams. We'd see guys right? get into the lane pretty easily. Well, that, yeah, that's defense. one. Yeah. But that's one thing, but also just like if you're bringing the ball up the court and you're not getting hounded, you know, you, you're, you feel a little more comfortable. You don't expend as much. You don't yeah. you know, ex- expend, expel enough energy. And um, so now it's, it's just more taxing to be a guard against Cincinnati. It's all, it's, it's just as tough as it's always been to score inside. And if you see the three-point percentages that the three-point percentages they're allowing has gone down, I think that just they get into the legs a little bit, a little bit more. And just like Mick said, if a team's comfortable, they're going to shoot better if they can get into a rhythm. And teams are having a much harder time getting into a rhythm, other than Xavier, of course. Right. But uh, but so that so now, if you look back over the last eight years, right? So Cincinnati gets the reputation for being this incredible defensive program and then they have won a lot of games with their defense but they only have one top 10 finish in all that time yeah on Ken Palm so they haven't really been I mean they've been they've been great they haven't quite been elite defensively this team is elite defensively I think the ball pressure is one reason um and then I think Kyle Washington being a little more reliable as well and being smarter and you know for the most part and that's something that's I don't think anybody saw coming so but so can you can you win with your defense um, in a big game against a great team? Well, in the past, 
they couldn't because their defense wasn't quite elite, but now it is. So maybe they can. I don't know. Well, and and, and they have more on offense. Now, right. you know, it's it's a matter of like, I mean, if you go back, like Jacob was off last night. Um, Jaron Jaron only had Jaren, one bucket. Yeah, Jaron didn't have a great game. Um, in a lot of those, and granted it was a low scoring game, but a lot of those situations, that's a loss on the road. And Kyle made some big buckets when he needed to. And Gary was a monster and was enough to carry them to victory. I, there's just more defensively. Well, defensively for me. Um, yeah, I agree with the ball pressure. I agree with the rim protection. I think what's really stood out to me. And, and this is a lot of credit to, Jacob and Jaron and Gary is there's no driving lanes like teams are not getting they're not turning the corner and getting to the rim on this team and a lot of that is that slide over that help side you know the guy that steps in and cuts off the drive and then gets back to his guy Um, it's a lot of their ability to switch uh, you know so guys aren't turning the the corner on ball screens and playing downhill but I've just really been impressed with their ability to keep teams out of the lane, the defense, yeah. defense isn't breaking down. Like all the time we talked about getting those kick out threes. Why did most of those happen? It was because yeah, penetration, there was penetration. The defense had to contract to the penetration and then you have to react after the contraction. Well, they're not hardly contracting at all anymore. They're stepping over, cutting it off. You're not getting into the lane and then the defense doesn't have to contract. Then you get to stay home. And that, yeah, I think that's that's why they were so effective against SMU because that's yeah. all SMU tries to do. I mean, they have they have elite shooters all around the perimeter, but they can't make them if they're guarded. Um, and the reason why they get so many good looks is because they they a couple hard dribbles, they get by their man, the guy helps, and then boom, someone's open. But you see really locked in on, on them in that game. So yeah, I mean that those those are all the factors. But you add it up to it really is his best D when you look back over his years. That's incredible and, to me. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, no one, no one saw that. I don't no. think, I, I can't, I don't even know if the coaching staff saw that. No, but, I, you know that. Yeah. If I'd have told, like if I'd have told him in October, Mick, I think this is going to be your best defensive team. I think he would have laughed at me and said, hopefully we're better on offense. Like this isn't built to be my best defensive team. And yeah, it's credit to them and a lot of credit. I, I mean, I don't I don't want to get into this too much yet because I know we're going to as February goes on. I I don't think I can begin to express how much I'm going to miss seeing Gary Clark wearing red and black. No, let's, yeah, I don't I don't want to go there. I don't I don't either. But just like a night after like a night like last night makes it stand out to you, like how much he means. He's yeah, I mean, it, it does stand out in a situation like that. But I think like I asked Troy, I mean, there's just been so many games where even if he has a couple buckets, yeah, it's still he's still the difference. But, well, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be very, very tough for, to to have any kind of a level on both sides of the ball because of his offensive rebounding the other night against South Florida in the first half, just stuff like that. And then everything. obviously defensively, he, he's your defensive leader like he he's the guy. I mean, Jacob as well. But. But it's really Gary's the heart and soul. Very much so. It's going to be depressing. I will be depressed. I'm not going to lie. No. I, 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 I'm not going to handle it well. 
I know I'm not going to handle it well. <laughs> I've been, I, I've been, I've been worried about it like for probably two two years now. Just thinking about you know what's going to happen when they don't have him. I was thinking about that like his sophomore year. Yeah, there's there's no bigger Gary Clark guy on the planet than you, and I found him. And you're a bigger yeah, Gary I'm, Clark I, guy than me. I, well, yeah, I appreciate you finding him too. <laughs> I, I I need to get LD and Gary on video one day. And get to the bottom of that. Because LD still claims he knew about him before I told him. <laughs> and I call yeah. blasphemy on that. It's like, let me have one. Just let me have one. He, he was an unknown sophomore in Clayton, North Carolina. Very cool to see Chris, Chris Archer there last night. I didn't know that story. No, I had no clue. I, I was I, When they showed him, I said, what? What? Why is he there? He just, it's not even, if, if it was at South Florida, that'd be one. Yeah. If it was in Tampa, so... That was uh, that's pretty cool. It, it's you, the funny part was, did you see the end of the game after the interview? Yeah, when they went up and they were, and he was like, "Ooh!" He's like, "Wow!" Yeah. Like, dude, you're yeah. really good. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize <laughs> you had three dunks on Central Florida. Dude, you kicked those guys' ass. That's impressive. <laughs> but and Gary's like, "Man, you throw 100 miles an hour. That's impressive." <laughs> yeah. That's very cool to see that that level of support. Like I know Clayton's a pretty small community and it's really close knit, um, and I, I'd have to imagine Gary is legend back there. And it was funny to hear oh, Troy yeah. say like, eh, "You guys don't know him off the court. He'll get after you a little bit." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, uh, so go ahead. Yeah. Well, no, you go. I didn't really have. I, I was just gonna say that the the next six games really sets the tone. For what this season becomes, right? Uh, well, I mean, they're all they're they all games all. you should win. That's that's my point. Right. If you drop any yeah. of those games, you're not where you want to be. It, and and those games lead up to a two game road swing to SMU in Houston. Yeah. So what you've got Memphis on the well, you've got ECU, um, Temple, I think. Temple, you go. Back, you go to Memphis, which man, they're playing get, really yeah, good it's getting right tougher. Now. I mean, who who knew that Mike Parks Jr. would be like unstoppable? Well, like I said on the on, on Twitter last night, I know after that game here, Tubby lit his team up in the locker room, challenged their manhood, kept them in there for like forty five minutes, like they were still in there when we got done with media. They had not come out of that locker room, and and he lit them up pretty good. And ever since then, they look like a different team. And you know, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a dogfight down there. It's not gonna be an easy one. Yeah. Oh no. I don't. I mean, at this point, what road game is gonna be easy the rest of the way? Um, I mean, because because they don't go to East Carolina. They already went to USF. I mean, I think no matter who you play on the road, Tulane will be tough. I mean, any of those games are just gonna be just survive in advance type of games. There's no, there's no more easy, you know, UConn on the road. It's hard to score up there. It just is. Yeah. But it doesn't oh matter how God. bad they are. That was, I know they're terrible. Night. And yeah, that was oh, on yeah. the road at Memphis, but my, they, how do you get just absolutely annihilated at Memphis? Like it's like, it's, it's one thing. Like we just talked about Memphis is playing better. Jeremiah Martin has gotten going. I, you can go in there and have that be, a three-point loss. But to go in there and just get embarrassed? Like, completely annihilated. That's that's a bad look. 
Yeah, I think the the difference between the two is that Memphis has a point guard that can really set the table and, and set the tone. And Jalen Adams is more of a scoring guy. He doesn't, and he doesn't really have much around him, but he's not a guy that's just going to be the, the dictator and, and, and get the flow going. And as you've, they've struggled in a million games already. I mean, he's, he's a hell of a player, but he's got nothing around him. He's just not that type of point guard. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so, but, so they're going to, they just have trouble. It's, it's, it, this league is just amazing that, there's so many, it's just so hard to score and, and for a lot of teams and against, I and mean, it just, it's just well, this, mud. It's the, it is the validation of recruiting rankings to an extent. Yeah. Because I don't think last year there was a single top 100 kid that ended up in the league. And what it looks like is a league that doesn't have any top 100 kids. Now you have Gary and Jacob that were right on the cusp of that top 100. Um, did you see, I, I went back and looked at the 2014 uh, recruiting class rankings. Oh, yeah. Number 92, Trey Holder. Number 93, Gary Clark. Number 94, Devontae Graham. Wow. That's pretty good. Those guys. Those are like three. Yeah, they're, they're like the, all Americans. Three of the best seniors in the country. Yeah. What so, about like um, some of those guys on Wichita? Were any of those guys 100? Um, like Landry, I, Landry Shaman and Larry Shaman, I don't McDuffie. think was McDuffie McDuffie. I be, McDuffie. I believe either was or was like Gary and Jake and those guys where they were right around a hundred. Okay. Some places might have had him at you know one oh five or whatever. Some places had him in. Mc, uh, McDuffie was a guy I really like, guy out of New Jersey. Um, and he didn't get a whole lot of hype, and I I, I thought he should have been recruited at a higher level, and obviously his talent has shown that. Um, Larry Shaman, I don't know. I, I think he was a three star. <laughs> he's, I know I heard him on, he actually, he's kind of big time. He was on Jim Rome. I heard a little Jim Rome interview with him. Clones. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the so, vine. So, yeah. So the league, like, like I posted today, I, I just think it's just the, the combination of the, the elite size and athleticism versus the, this, the mediocre skills. I mean, just, we don't have a lot of guys that can deal with hands in the face of big athletic dudes. And it's just, that's, that's a college basketball in a lot of situations. It's, it's easier to, to play D than to, to score. And this league just happens to be like right in that like middle ground of the bad combination of, you know, it's so hard to score because of the, the, the makeup of the players. And so you go up below a level and you might get a little more entertaining basketball because there's not as many athletic guys to stop offense. And then you go up a level and, is better offense, so it's just happened to be right in that little pit, unfortunately. In the last four years, the offensive numbers in this league are atrocious, and the defensive numbers are elite. So I don't know if that prepares you for the tournament. What do you think about that? Like, like conference play, does it really matter if you go on the road and lose to a tough team? When you go to the tournament, you're playing on a neutral site against a team that doesn't know you more often than not. So, I mean, do you think that you see being in this league is detrimental to them or it just doesn't really matter what league they're in and you just have to just play well in the tournament. I think it hurts in that you don't face enough teams with high level scoring options. Like in this league, if you on 90% of the teams, if you wipe out one guy, they don't have like, if, if you take out shake Milton, 
SMU's going to struggle. If you take out Rob Gray, Houston's going to struggle. Right. If you if you take, you know, Wichita State's a little bit different because they've got some more answers. You know, Connor Frankamp was a four-star guy that committed to Kansas. McDuffie, like I said, was right in that four-star range. I don't know about Landry Shamit, um, but he's, he's playing, playing like he's like, yeah. yeah, he's playing to that level. So they've got three or four of those guys. Cincinnati's got three or four of those guys. That's what makes them different. What you would like, I guess, is you would like your defense to maybe face some more challenges where we have to shut down three guys tonight. Yeah. Like last night. In, in certain games, they don't have year, anything you, yeah, right now. You, 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 yeah. The the UC's defense gets away with get, allowing certain things because the teams just don't have players that can hit those shots. I mean, if you were playing against legit, well, like a Kansas, like if you had if you had to deal with with Michaelic and uh, or Michaelic or whatever his name is, and Graham, you know, like West Virginia did the other night, and and they get some quick ball movement, they're going to knock their shots in, and you're going to be in trouble. Whereas like AJ Davis shooting a three, it's like. Please shoot more, AJ Davis. Well, and and it's not even that, Berg. It's it, it it goes even one step further than that. In that, if even if you play solid defense against Kansas, like Kansas is the hypothetical we're using, they can make a guarded shot. Right. So even if you're 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 sound and you do what you're supposed to do and you're where you're supposed to be, and then they hit a shot with a hand in their face. Now, as an offense, you have to overcome that. And I don't think like they get yeah. pushed enough in that fashion. Like, yeah, UCLA last year is, is, a, is yeah. a similar equation to what I'm saying now. Yeah. That was a different animal because they had like eight dudes that could really put the ball in the basket. Um, right. But they hit that gear, and UC offensively wasn't prepared to go on that four-minute run with them. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. bang, yeah. they score nine points in 45 seconds, and that nine points was the difference in the game. So, the, yeah, so the so the difference is this year is, is you know, UC is, is turning teams over at a higher clip. So let's say you go back to that game last year, and UCLA only has three turnovers in that entire game. Let's say they end up with nine or ten. Then maybe you have a chance to hang into right. the end, even if you're not – that much better offensively. So in, in quite a few games this year, we've seen the Bearcats kind of survive on, or at least get the separation they needed on creating a bunch of turnovers, especially last night it helped in the second half. So in Cleveland state, I mean, who knows? They could have been down on the wire against that team if they didn't force all those turnovers. So that that's, that remains to be seen whether if they run into a certain team that takes care of the ball, no matter what you do to them, then what? Yeah. Um, but that team still taking care of the ball has to put the ball in the basket, which right is difficult against exactly. this team. Like, let's you know, yeah, the, the, if you get more opportunities, even if your percentages are low, you're going to put a couple more in the basket. But the level, like the complete level of defense, is what has been the most impressive. Yeah, the, I mean, well, yeah, in the yeah. mid range taking away the driving lanes in the mid-range like we were talking about, at the three-point line, creating turnovers, defensive rebounding. Where are they in defensive rebounding? Like, do you know? They're much – yeah, I know. They, I always keep an eye on that because that was the first question I ever asked Mick. I don't know if you remember that. I don't. Um, I, think it, I think it was after uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff game or something like that. But um, 
the last few years they've been middle of the pack and in, in defense rebounding and they're like they're now they're like top quarter okay. of, in the country so it, it, it has improved like they've basically the only area really where they're they're worse this year is is offensive turnover percentage everything else pretty much across the board on both sides of the ball is better and so um free throw rate like i tweeted yesterday i mean i didn't show last night but I mean, it is at an all-time high, um, and that's you know that's been my rallying cry. And, and look, I, I asked Savino about it before the season, and he said it's it's usually personnel-based. We just haven't had guys, you know, we could get the ball into the paint with the pass to the post, but we haven't been able to beat guys off the dribble or push the ball and get into the paint, get fouled, whatever. So, um, the, but these defensive rebounding is better, and um, and the turnovers are, are that they're forcing are are higher than they really ever have been. So. That that combination is going to be, could be dev, it has been devastating, and you know that so you know when you run up against the the best offenses they're going to see the rest of the way are Houston and Wichita State, so they'll get four chances against you know, and then SMU on the road when they're at home of course so they're going to get some chances to see if they can win if they can't turn a team over and and it, they don't get those easy buckets like like Mick said last night I think there was eighteen to six on points off turnovers and they win by eleven, right. And it was it it all a lot of it came right at that that point in the second half where the game turned, and yep. they started making a few shots. They were able to get into the press. Um, they were really able to frustrate Central Florida's guards, and then next thing you know, you're up by eight, and in that game, eight points is thirty. Yeah, at like times. twenty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's you you almost feel like oh we're up by eight. This is a blowout. I guess the the main takeaway from last night, though, thank God we're done with Florida this year. No more <laughs> yeah. Florida. That, that well, both of those trips have been a pain in the rear end. Although your big stat, they they blew out the previous high uh, scoring total at South Florida, sixty eight had been the high in the McKernan era, and after scoring eleven points in twelve minutes, they get seventy eight. Yeah, they had, I mean, they almost had their total in, what, 30 minutes. They had 67 in the yeah. in the final 30 minutes. And the 67 to 30, or they outscored them by, what, 33? So, yeah, 67-34 over that last stretch. Um, yeah, the, it, it, they just, uh, they. I mean, Jaron got the lid, like the, the ultimate lid off of a, of a basket. I mean, that, that basket's had a lid on it for 12 years. Yeah. And, and Jaron popped it off that other night. So as we go forward, I, I'm not. There's no really no need to talk about ECU. I don't think, especially not here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you'll get you'll get a very uh, concise scattering report. Uh, not, nothing like the 1500 word UCF one. I'll, I'll that tell was, you that. That much. was a doozy. I I've been <laughs> I, to, to to pull the curtain back a little bit. I, I I feel a lot better today, but I had had a pretty bad head cold Monday and Tuesday. So yesterday. I pull myself out of bed and I get over to my computer and I'm thinking like, all right, quick copy paste, get this thing up on the website and be done with it. And I pulled it up and I started scrolling down and I'm like, are you kidding me, Justin? (laughs) This thing's going to take like 20 minutes to get ready to put on the site. (laughs) Yeah. I had to do some film work when you, when you face a defense like that, I feel like there's gotta be some film work in it, but I didn't, I didn't think there was enough time in between games to do separate, inside the film room and scouting reports. So I had to combine them, but I I felt like I needed to do the diligence of showing all three of their defenses. But I know sometimes I get carried away and no, the members love it and I'm not complaining (laughs) about it. 
It was just <laughs> I, I was expecting a quick task, and uh, that was not a quick task scouting report. <laughs> <laughs> ECU, I'm not too stressed. At Temple, even at home, uh, outside well, of what was it two years ago that they came out of halftime and they hit their first 45 shots of the second half? What game? You remember that? That was the last home loss. Was, no. Was, oh, oh, you mean when UC did yeah, that? Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. When they came yeah. out, it was like they were down three or something at halftime, and they came out and they UC went on like a twenty-eight to two run or something to start the second half. Yeah, Jermaine Sanders days. Yeah, I think that was. I think that well, was. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure they'll give them. I think that, I mean, obviously Temple will play them tough. I mean, it just they, the way those teams match up. But I mean, that'll be a, a scattering report that'll you know be a little bit of a recycle. So that gives me a little break when we start seeing these teams for the second time. But ECU, yeah, obviously they're in shambles. Jeff Lebo said, I've had enough earlier this year. And um, they're guys, trying to, I'm going home. Yeah, it's like they're just trying to get this season over with and figure out what the H they're trying to do moving forward. And then Temple, we already played Memphis. Um, and then you start getting – then Houston coming up around the corner. That That's the one. Looking forward to seeing that one because uh, – I mean, they've got they've got some guys that I didn't really know about. Um, some guard, some wing players that are new. JUCO guy, and I mean their offense is thirty fourth, I think, in Ken Palm right now. So yeah, good te- good test around the corner. And Rob Gray. Yep, Rob Gray still there. Man bun. And no no more chicken knolls, uh, boneheadness for them. They don't have to deal with that. <laughs> what what uh, what else do we got in the AAC this week? We've got what? Oh, tonight! Tonight you got SMU, Wichita State. I think it's in Wichita, though. Yeah, I don't. Wichita, think... I think. I think. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Did SMU win their last game, or are they still on a losing streak? Uh, man, I lost track of that. They might have had a week off after after the Temple game. I think they have, because a lot of people are cycling in that first week off. Yeah. Conference play. So so. If UCF plays SMU, that means they have um, Central Florida and Houston coming, because uh, that was their that was that three game stretch we had talked about. So, yeah. I think two of the three are at home for them though, which means that their February would be a little tougher. But yeah, I mean, let's see how they do. I mean, they they really haven't played any of the decent teams in the league yet. Well, they, that they str- they struggled with Tulsa, which is a rivalry game, but they still struggled. They played they played Houston at home and and oh, that's right, beat the dog crap out of them. That's right. They made every shot in the first yeah. half, and that's, yeah, nothing you can do about it. I mean, Wichita is ultimate one of those teams that if they get rolling, it's like you have no chance because they defend so well. Right. And they've got quite a few guys that can shoot, and when you've got a 35-year-old rec, rec league uh, all-star like Connor Frankamp. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. Their only weakness I see is that Shamit and Frank Camp aren't that good defensively. They're not very disruptive. Like everything else, I don't really see a weakness with them. So it should, uh, you know, they look like the class of the league. I mean, at least if you look at the scoring margins and stuff like that. But we'll see when they start playing some of these tougher teams. And they need to go on the road and play someone tough. Right. That's what. That's when we'll see if they can continue with their offensive juggernautness. I mean, Tulsa's not terrible, and they went to Tulsa, and that was uh, two missed clean looks from being a loss. Very true. In the final final five seconds. So, All right, man, I ain't got nothing else to you. That'll do it for me. Special thanks, as always, to Troy Copain for, for joining us from uh, what you didn't hear, 
is he literally, when we first called him, was in the cold tub getting ready. He's got a game tonight at 7. He was in the cold tub getting ready for the game and uh, was nice enough to take out 15, 20 minutes of his time to uh, talk about what he saw last night and, uh, and give us a little uh, insider info. So appreciate that from Troy. Thanks to my man, Justin Berg. As always, Justin, this podcast brought to you by... Snips Media. Snips is the... Uh, you want to you hook into Snips, SNI.PS. Learn about that for your social media. You can make some money. You get some good analytics. Um, new and up-and-coming up company that uh, is on the cutting edge of social media. So SNI.PS. And they've been nice enough to sponsor us. Thank you to Snips. Much appreciated. Much appreciated. But uh, well, we'll see you probably next week sometime as we get this thing going. It's it's nice now, Berg. We're, we're doing afternoon recordings now because you're not out um, building uh, porches and whatnot. Patios. Patios. <laughs> yeah, you're not out building patios and whatnot. So yeah. get these done a little bit earlier in the day. Thanks a lot, man. He's Justin yeah, Berg. Yeah, appreciate it. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.